Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. All right, buddy, welcome back to the Deepen Podcast. We are in week three of this series. It does not make sense. It doesn't make sense. And uh, Pastor Britt bringing the message this week. Pastor Britt, tell us, uh, just read that section from the text that you're preaching and tell us a little bit about this this week's message. You know what doesn't make sense? How no. two fine-looking chaps like us could wake up in the morning <laughs> and pick the exa- almost the exact same shirt and put it on and then for, put it for on. For those the, of you listening, and then go put to it, YouTube. And then put it on the Find YouTubes. the Deepin Podcast uh, of this uh, episode, and we are practically <laughs> twinning today. Uh, At least we put you guys together on the same side of the table. Yes. So yeah, that's yes. right. That's right. This is like a, a fashion intervention is what this could be. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you're listening, you just have to trust us. Uh, this week, this week, we uh, dove in First John chapter five and uh, had a great conversation about mental and emotional health coming off it, which says, uh, starting in verse one, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that, he, that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And so this promise that we have from Jesus that is victory over death, over hell, over the final outcomes of sin, over um, the world, is the way that John writes it here, that this, this victory is something I don't just want one day, but that I can begin to walk in today, step by step, day by day, through trusting obedience. And what does that mean for emotional and and mental health, you know, I, I, I don't want to just believe it is finished. I want to live. Mm-hmm. It is finished. Mm-hmm. And I believe that every sin and consequence of sin and we're nailed to the cross that day. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to live the crucified life and I want to walk in the victory of the resurrection. And so we've talked over the last couple of weeks uh, around a, a few topics. Uh, one is family history mm-hmm. and the impact that that has on our life and the limitations that you can that you might not even know exist in your thinking patterns and in your believing patterns because of things that you just inherited or things that you learned at a young age um, or things that have been the growth or the product of trauma in your life um, and so the family history plays a huge part into your growth and your spiritual growth and emotional growth and identifying it and walking that out. And then forgiveness, anywhere that there's an, a practice of unforgiveness, it is impossible for the believer to live the forgiven life while holding on to unforgiveness of another person. doesn't mean you're not forgiven. It just means you're never going to experience the fruit or the joy of forgiveness or the power of forgiveness while you're holding on to unforgiveness. No way. And so that has a significant impact from our soul um, through all of our thinking and believing and acting, and then uh, and then 
decision making. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it comes down to because of the way that you think, therefore you feel. And the way that you feel will point the directions of your behaviors. Mm-hmm. And and you will start to make decisions and those deci- decisions are leading somewhere. And so it's all connected. Mm-hmm. And so And I think the the step before that is, you know, um is what do you believe? Because like what you believe shapes what you think wholeheartedly on down the road. Mm-hmm. And then the end of that is, so that's what you do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, it, you know, every time I read First John, I want to underline the entire, the reason <laughs> I don't underline is because I just underlined the whole, like all five chapters. For sure. I, almost yeah. every verse, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and it's a huge part of do you like okay so what do you believe about you and there are multiple mm-hmm. voices this was last week but there is the devil himself whispering there is the world lying there is your flesh warring mm-hmm. or there's God's word declaring this is who you are the word the primary title you get in 1 John about you is beloved mm-hmm. beloved let us love mm-hmm. one another for love is of God and we've, we both have preached this from different angles of it, but that word, if we could do that, if we could be loved and we knew that was who we are, that's what we believed about ourselves, it would change everything about what we thought about ourselves, about mm-hmm. what we feel about ourselves, and what we do with that. Mm-hmm. It would change things like anxiety and depression and loneliness and falling into the comparison trap and all the things we wouldn't be gripped by fear if we if we believe that perfect love drives out fear. You know, all of the things that put us in emotionally and mentally unhealthy places mm-hmm. would would disappear. And I feel like we need to say that, and we are not like licensed experts on mm-hmm. right. mental health or emotional health, but we are pastors and theologians. Mm-hmm. And what we will see, what we have seen, and what we will see, because we've got some pros coming in here with us, is that we... Um, these things are not opposed to one another. These things are all under God's common grace of what is true and right and good about what it means to live the abundant life. Yeah, and Pastor Joe, I mean, your message, uh, you know, talking about Jesus's temptation in the wilderness, that is so instructive for not just like temptation to sin, but the battle for truth in your mind, right? I mean, because think about what he was... what. The devil was doing. He was going after identity and the truth of God's word and the truth of who Jesus Jesus is, and trying to sow a, a thought. So, to your point, it starts with a thought. It starts with a belief. So, the fight to believe the truth is is the fight. Yeah, I mean that's what you know. Last week on the mountain of temptation, Jesus's intro to Jesus is, "If you are the Son of God." Mm-hmm. It's the same, and it's the same thing with Adam and Eve. He was like, did God really say? Because mm-hmm. if he could get you to distrust what God says about you, then your mind is just like wide open to believe all the lies that he's going to tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's hard enough to live the abundant life when you're thinking good thoughts. Mm-hmm. Man, if you don't believe the truth of God's word towards you, I mean, you're starting. It's like running a race with a broken leg, man. Mm-hmm. You got no chance. I love, I mean, you talk about wanting to underline every single line in here at the end of verse three, his commandments are not burdensome. You want to talk about freedom? Right. You talk about like, it's not a burden to obey God. It's not a burden to like love what he says. 
because it actually is is freedom. Like Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Um, so it made me think of Romans 1, you know, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. And so, Pastor Joby, how far does that go in overcoming such powerful forces as how you grew up and like the like just the culture that you were raised in? Well, you know, we talked about this last week, but um, Ephesians 6, and, and Britt has done a marvelous job really uh, displaying what authentic preaching looks like mm-hmm. when you're saying, let me just walk you through the sanctification process of the Spirit of God in my life in regards to some lies the enemy was trying to embed into my mm-hmm. brain via my family history, mm-hmm. and here's how the gospel has freed me. Mm-hmm. So kudos to you, my brother. But Ephesians 6 would say, though the enemy did work through all those things, our battle is not primarily against flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. So you got to understand, like, I mean... Um, I mean, this world's trying to lie to us like crazy, right? There's there's some ways that I, I read this. Josh Howerton wrote a little piece that I just read um, that I think is brilliant. And he talked about how the how today's culture is undermining children and their parents, and how critical theory lies to us, queer theory lies to us, and a therapeutic mindset lies to us. Mm. Now, we're not saying there's anything wrong with therapy, but he said critical race theory says. Everybody's a racist. He was talking primarily about raising your kids. Everybody's a racist. Therefore, my parents are racist. So in order for me to not be, I need to distance myself from my parents because they're part of the institution. They can't be trusted. They can't be trusted. The queer theory. Everybody's a bigot, and I need to be accepting. Therefore, I need to distance myself from any institution because they're all bigoted. Let me. And then therapy is the source of all of my pain is my toxic family. Therefore, I must distance myself from that. Mm. You see how the enemy can, that like when we say the world lies to you or when the, anytime the enemy mm-hmm. is speaking, he is speaking lies. That's what we're talking about, mm. you know? Mm. And, and what we are saying is the foundation of truth that leads to health is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that there aren't racists. And I'm not saying that there aren't bigots, and I'm not saying that there aren't toxic relationships. Mm-hmm. But the answer to all of those is the good news of the gospel yeah. of Jesus Christ. Now, Pastor Britt, what is different? And you could probably talk from your experience here. What's different about the work that God does to redeem those things from our past? You, you know what I mean? Like, because so, there is an analysis of things from the past or things from your family. And, and God works to redeem those or right-size your beliefs about them. And that's different from what he's talking about, like cutting them off completely and I must distance myself. Like talk, talk, to, talk a little bit about that, how that's different. Well, in the, in the garden, when Adam and Eve first rebelled against God and chose their own way versus God's way, uh, and they believed the lie, and, and uh, they immediately started blaming mm. Mm-hmm. And Adam's like, you know, he's blaming Eve and Eve's blaming the snake and, you know, and they're not necessarily wrong because mm-hmm. each of the, you know, everybody had a part to play, right? Yes. But that said, you're responsible, you're responsible for your own actions. Uh, that said, when you do the work of family history in the context of this conversation, you're not looking for somebody to blame. You're looking to understand what's going on inside of you so that you can apply the gospel to it. You can't apply the gospel to things that you don't 
you can't articulate. Like the gospel is applied, but it's hard for you to make the connection and for you to surrender that willingly when you don't understand or know what's going on. And so the work of family history is often, to Pastor Joey's point, people are looking for somebody to blame mm. for the way that I feel. And it's not about, like, I love my family. I've been emphatically clear about that. I'm wild about the fact that I am my father's son. And mm-hmm. and it is still just true that I learned things that were not growing gospel health and gospel fruit in my life through the relationships mm. in my life. Mm-hmm. And if I want to grow, it's from the inside out. And so I have to take captive the things that are inside and surrender those things unto Jesus. And so the blame game is not gospel. Mm. Um, the responsibility, the surrender, the trust game, that is gospel. And and so I think that that would be a, a caution that I would I, I offer anybody that's don't – it's not about finding – who's responsible for what it's about taking responsibility inside of yourself and growing and maturing as the person that God's created mm-hmm. you and called you to be with all with all the parts yeah i um does that make sense yeah i was thinking about it this way part of the reason to do this kind of work well one of the reasons people won't do it is cuz it's hard it's hard work mm-hmm. it's real hard and just like it's hard to stay in physical shape it's mm-hmm. hard mm-hmm. you can't just do easy things and stay in Good shape. Well, mm. how you can't do easy things and stay mentally healthy, you know, and mm. emotionally healthy. You got to do hard things. Anyway, this is not to excuse behavior. It's just to help explain it. That's exactly it. And mm. the reason that you want to help explain, a part of the reason I am the way I am, part of its nature, part of its nurture, mm-hmm. part of it's a sinful heart, part of it's a redeemed heart, right? And so you got some Romans 7 going on there too. I think one of the biggest, what compels me as much as anything is this idea of generational curses and blessings is real. And some of them God has put within the power that he has given us that these things can stop with us, but you Mm. cannot stop what you can't understand and explain, Mm. or you're just going to continuously pass it on. Mm -hmm. And you'll say goofy things like, well, we're just drunks because this is our heritage. Mm -hmm. Like, what? What? Mm-hmm. You know, you could stop that, right? The mm. power of the gospel could stop that. Mm. Well, that's the kind of things that, that happen. You begin to pass on mm-hmm. not just the things you want to pass on, but the things yeah. you don't want to pass on. Yeah. And you can't tell me those aren't generational curses. That that And Colossians says the curse has been nailed to the tree mm. and defanged. Mm-hmm. Well, then why in the world would you choose to pass it on if you don't have mm-hmm. to? So yeah. for me, I mean, you know, t- I love my mom and dad so much. They didn't love each other too good, though. Divorce, you know, they got divorced when I was a teenager, formative years of my life. There's a whole bunch that explains my control nature. Because mm. when I was in 15, when I was 14 years old, I had to be in control. And, you know, at mm-hmm. least I felt like I had to, right? Right. And that explains a lot of things. And I don't, I'm trying not to create the kind of atmosphere where, like, you actually talked about in all staff. If, if my house is an atmosphere of grace, then when hyper-control walks in the room, pardon me, the only thing I can think of, it's like a fart in a car, bro, ain't no hiding it. You're like, what? Oh, what? Right? But if everything stinks, then everything just, then something right. new that stinks, you can't smell it. So mm-hmm. if, the, if the atmosphere is grace, man, then if fear control walks in, you're like, what? Mm-hmm. But when I walk in like a tornado mm-hmm. and it's all fear and control, yeah. then my whole house could just be nothing but anxiety and 
tension and it that's just what normal feels like. I don't want that to feel that way in my house. Mm. Yeah, that's it's a one Pastor Joby always takes anything I've ever said and then he says it way better. So let's just mm-hmm. let the record show. Mm-hmm. Uh and, and then two, um, the thing about this kind of labor of love, and there's a couple of questions circling around our conversation here. One is the most important question anyone will ever answer on the earth is what do you do with Jesus Christ of Nazareth? That's right. That's the most important question. That's the foundational belief, right? The most important question that I believe believers, once they answer that question rightly, mm-hmm. by God's grace in the revelation of the Holy Spirit of the truth of the gospel, they answer that question rightly. The second is how well or how willing are you to receive the love of God that you now believe? Mm. Because it's one thing to believe God loves me. It's another thing to receive God's love for me over and over and over and over again and to to walk in his love for me. Um, as soon as uh, the quote about grace is, uh, whenever you get tired of trying to prove your own righteousness, come and visit me and I'll give you a gift. Mm. And... The gift is the love of God through the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Dude, it's interesting you say that. A couple of weeks ago, I was preaching at a um, uh, Missouri Baptist State Convention. So it's not my normal speaking gig. It was very, first of all, it was a time warp. I mean, it was unbelievable with choirs and suits. And I mean, it was crazy. And I was in my jeans, boots, whatever. So I get up there and I'm, I'm, they just asked me to encourage them. I can't even remember what I preached on. But at the end of it, it's a bunch of pastors in Missouri, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they're Southern Baptist ones. So they could preach the gospel. Oh, I mean, right. And at the end, I just, I've used this illustration or this, whatever, teaching point before. I was like, the day Jesus was baptized and the heavens open up and he says, Behold my son in whom I am well pleased. And I ask him, what ministry had Jesus done to that point? Mm-hmm. The answer is nothing, right? And I just started looking. I probably said it about 10 times. I was like, hey, bro, behold, you're his son. He's pleased in you. And then I did the next guy. And, then, you know, I just kind of went around. Bro, these grown Baptists started like, like a thing happened. And the love of God fell on these guys. They, they have the love. They know it. But they had to be reminded of it because, and they're at a they're at a convention, so everybody's trying to like prove some stuff. You know what I mean? And for a minute, I just wanted them to know, and I want every one of us to know that before you do anything, good or bad, the heavens open up because of Christ, and you, the Father says to you, "Behold, you're my child, and I'm really pleased in you." Amen. You want to know how important that is? The Apostle Paul writes down a prayer to the Ephesians. And of all the things he could have prayed for them, he prays that they would have power from God to comprehend the height, breadth, depth, and to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. That was like the, that was his prayer. Yeah. Like, I want you to know something that's practically impossible to know, but to understand and receive the love of God, that's the thing that I'm going to pray for you. In the midst of his letter, yeah, man, you're, <sighs> you're, uh, and the enemy is all day, every day, full time. I mean, I don't see any evidence in the Bible that the enemy sleeps either. You know what I mean? Because mm. he's not made like humanity, right? Right. I don't think angels sleep. I guess and demons don't sleep. So all twenty four hours a day, all he's trying to do 
is subvert that. Mm. And here's what's crazy, man. I know it, and I can preach it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting in the tree stand last week, and it just started getting light. And everything's going great. Mm-hmm. And it just started getting light enough. Mm-hmm. And so I finally opened my phone, and I never do this, but I did it this time. And instead of first going to my Bible app and my notes section, I opened my email. And the first two that I saw were negative comments about about Commitment Weekend. You know, mm. one was about alcohol and was like coming after me. And another one was about the prosperity gospel and coming after me. And I'm telling you, I, I'm i a pro at this. Like, I don't know how you can spend more time in the Bible than I do because I get paid to do it and I preach sermons. So it's like 20, 25 hours a week. And dude, I had to like shut it down and, and tell me the gospel mm. and like, Get my mind to not go down this road. I mean, I wanted to get in the octagon and go to war with these two guys mm-hmm. that sent me these emails. You know what I mean? And then I'm like, what are you defending, man? Like, mm-hmm. the Lord is cool with me, you know? Yeah. It's right. And so, yeah. I, and then I, I, was, I was thinking about this sermon series coming up because this is what I was preparing for. It was right after Commitment Weekend. And I thought, man, like, and I feel like I'm kind of insulated. Like, I've got. Elders around me and a staff praying for me and prayer. You know what I mean? I got a lot going on in a positive, in the heavenlies, in a positive direction. And so surely, man, the, the man and woman that are just trying to like get the kids to school and get to church as much as they can and they love the Lord, but boy, they sure are busy. I mean, the amount of flaming darts mm-hmm. that the enemy throws at us. And the thing, I learned this this past week too, I was doing some studying. The, 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 a flaming dart, was it wasn't like a little tiny dart like this. It was like a hollow javelin and they would fill it up with fuel and catch the front on fire. And the idea is that even if you blocked it with your shield, all that fuel, that gas essentially would get on stuff and it would cause all these other fires. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, does that not sound like a mental health mm-hmm. outbreak, yeah. right? Because you got one little thought, yeah. and you're like, hold on, let me take that captive. Mm-hmm. And as you're trying to, that thing goes, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. like you're trying to put out these all these fires in your brain all over the place. Mm. It's a good example, the the email example, because you know, d- depending on your world, you're going to experience uh, unfounded uh, criticism rooted in people not just their own insecurities or whatever, or you're going to experience, if you're in a healthy, mature world, you're going to experience constructive feedback that right. you should be able to receive, that you could receive as criticism. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not to those emails, but just the, the idea of living in a world where there's feedback. You, you know, it could be good, it could be bad, mm-hmm. it could be unfounded, it could be helpful, right? Based on your, your how you're doing internally, because all of that information passes through the filter of your feelings and thoughts before it lands. It just happens in this cognitive process that's so fast mm-hmm. that we don't even we don't even realize it. Does that and what we have really what happened with the one of the things that happened in the fall other than the absolute chaos and anarchy on the earth mm-hmm. in regards to being in a right relationship with God, one of the realities of that chaos is that we have now by default given each other power in our in each other's lives that that we can't we don't have the ability to wield. Hmm. Does that make sense? Like I I can't handle the kind of power that you could give my opinion in your life. Mm-hmm. And you have to be very care, very careful hmm. 
the amount of power that you give people's opinion of you or that you give people's um, the approval of you um, because people are not wired to handle that kind of responsibility. We're just not wired. That, that belongs only to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And if you want to take it to the nth degree, when you read this, the stories of Lucifer, when you read the descriptions of Lucifer, ultimately what Lucifer wanted was a seat of power that, that he could not sit in and carry the weight of. So God looks at him and is like, you can't sit there because that you weren't made to sit there. That's the son's seat. You know what that makes me think of in regards to mental and emotional health? I'm afraid as, as we're preaching through this three-week series, the, the person that scares me the most is the person that hears all this and think, now I'm equipped to fix Tammy. Oh, no doubt. You know what I mean? <laughs> so take everything that you just said, even from a positive motivation, like I mean, genuinely positive. I won't for you, mm-hmm. but if but there's no way you can you can do anything to their heart to help them heal in relationship to Jesus. You can't fix that stuff for them. I mean, you know, that's what the pros are going to tell us when they come in, right? The therapists are be like, man, listen, I'm just like a I'm just a guy. They got to do the work. Mm-hmm. I just ask some questions and get them pointing in the right direction, put some tools in their hands mm-hmm. for sure. But I can't get in there and fix anything. Yeah, and so it's an it's an issue of what's on the throne. Is it your feelings about me? Is it my feelings about me? Right. Or mm-hmm. is it God's feelings about me? And uh, all those feelings are connected to to thoughts and is whose thoughts come first, mine or the Lord's. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think we understand. I mean, obviously we don't have like we don't have experience of ourselves pre-fall and then after the fall, you know. But when you say stuff like that, it's like, we just don't really comprehend the devastation of what that did. And I was listening to something this week, and I'd never noticed this before, but immediately when Adam and Eve have fallen, they can't even answer a question. Like, God asks them very simple questions, and they do not answer them. Where are you? I was naked, so I hid myself. You could have said... Here I am. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, do you know why? Know, do you know what I mean? That 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 instinct to excuse and to say, oh no no, no let me tell let me tell you the motive. Let me tell you. Let me let me escape. That, that's my guess. It's like it's so it's so deep because of our sin nature that we just don't even answer the question. I don't know if this is theological speculation or if this is a version of explanation, but I'll just go for it here. When the Ruach was breathed into the nostrils, Adam opens his eyes. What does he have now? He already had a body. Mm-hmm. He's got the Spirit of God. What does he got? When we say soul, what do we mean? Mm-hmm. A living consciousness. Yeah. He's, he's conscious. Okay? What is, what is he not conscious of? Sin. Himself. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Himself. He's walking around naked and he has no idea. Mm-hmm. Right, he didn't know that he needed a woman because he has no regard for himself. Mm-hmm. He doesn't think about himself. Yeah, all he said is, "This is not suitable for me. It's not suitable for me mm-hmm. to do all the things." Right. right. Yeah, so yeah. you know, we could pick this apart, but an, an explanation would be, um, he was conscious to God and God alone. He did not have the knowledge of good and evil. He didn't have a moral construct. 
He didn't have a counterbalance. He didn't have an awareness of a morality to compare himself against. He didn't have a there. He didn't have a yesterday. He didn't have any of that. Hmm. As soon as the fall happens, what do we meet? What immediate? What what does consciousness move into? Self. Self-consciousness. Mm-hmm. So they became aware of their selves mm-hmm. and of all their inadequacies and of all of the flaws and of all of the mm-hmm. the the trouble and of the really the consequence of being alive. And then all those things began to be applied mm-hmm. through death and through all the like, here's the consequence of sin in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And they now, because they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they had moral constructs. They had things to compare each other to. They had standards to hold themselves to. Mm-hmm. And so to say that much, if that's not just speculation and some f- finite percentage of that helps understand to some degree, what happened at the fall. Mm. And it is as devastating as devastating can be. Mm. How much more beautiful does the understanding of the fall make the victory of Jesus through the resurrection and return? Mm. Amen. Because the grace of God shines bright against the depravity mm. of man. And so yeah. when we say Jesus has victory, mm-hmm. the second Adam or the new Adam that is the Christ man, what he has actually done mm-hmm is to restore you back to a world where you're so enamored with God, you're not even aware of yourself. Like you're just so aware, you are so overcome, defined by God's love for you, that thought doesn't have a competition. Mm -hmm. That's what Christ has purchased Mm -hmm. for you. Talking about love of God, you know, one of my favorite sermons that We've heard here, besides all yours, Pastor Joey, <laughs> uh, Ben Stewart, a couple of years ago in Saturated, came and talked about the love of God. And do you remember you remember this? And oh, he's yeah. talking about, Jesus loves me, this I know. I know. I know. And he uses that illustration of the, of the rappelling. And like the guy's giving the instructions about going over the side of that cliff with that harness on. It's like, yeah, yeah, we know. We get it. Buckle it up. And here's the knot and all this kind of stuff. And then you get to the edge like, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's like, but wait, you said you knew. That would hold you up. It's not really test time until you got to lean on it. And it's not, there's a difference between, oh, I know here and I'm willing to rest my life on it. And the, the, what, you're just, what you're pointing out is that when, you, when the overwhelming thought of the love of God drives those other thoughts away from you, that's when you know you're leaning on it. For sure. And part of this series is to help you identify or at least be willing to do the work of the thoughts that are at work within you that compete against the truth that God loves you and that's the most important thing about you Mm -hmm. so that they're not just going to go away overnight, right? One of the mistakes that people make when they have breakthrough in thinking and they have breakthrough in mental and emotional health is that they go to a counselor once, they go to a counselor twice, they sit with a trusted Mm -hmm. friend once, they they learn some new things Mm -hmm. and they go, now I got it all figured out. And it's like, no, that's not the point. The point is that you're better equipped to learn the next thing and mm-hmm. to learn this is to go deeper yeah. and deeper into God's love for you into every crevice and corner of your soul. Yeah, but um, James would say, yeah, cool. If you learn all that stuff and don't do anything about it, you know, like the guy that looks at his face in the mirror but doesn't like clean mm-hmm. up or wash his face. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, it's not the assessment of the issue that is the goal. It's the application. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be the same thing. I mean, we, we call it mental and emotional health. Like I said, if you want to be physically healthy, can't go work out for a week and be like, okay, I know how to do this. You 
Mm-hmm. There's a consistent rhythm of your life that includes all the things too, not just working out, but you know, diet and sleep yeah, and yeah. those kind of things. Same thing if you want mental and emotional health, then there's yeah. there's got to be rest and there's got to be input and there's got to be exercise. Those things all work together to to maintain a continued health. Yeah. And all of this is under the banner of what Jesus talks about in John 10, that this is a part of the abundant life. I mean, yes. this is part of the reason we're doing this series because how could you mm-hmm. live the abundant life mm. if you're not mentally and emotionally healthy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That God's dream for you is mental and emotional health. Mm-hmm as a means to this abundant yeah. life in. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that that idea of health is such an instructive picture for us, both from like preventative health, like if you're thinking about fitness or diet, but also you you were talking earlier about explaining versus excusing. Like if you have some if you have a health issue, you have to the doctor helps you explain what it is so that it can be treated. That's right. Right. If they can't explain, hey, that is an infection of your spleen or whatever, then how are they going to know how to treat it? And so, with that analogy, but the doctor never excuses it. Right. The doctor would never look at you and be like, oh, you have a thyroid problem, yeah. therefore eat whatever you want right. and you're going to die of diabetes. Right. No, 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 no. It would be the exact opposite. It'd be like, okay, you, you actually do have an issue and it's not merely self-control, right? There's a physical right. issue. So this is explaining, this mm-hmm. is why you feel the way you feel. Mm-hmm. Therefore, your treatment right. program is going to be different so that's kind of back to the geneogram and helps Geogram, yeah. helps explain kind of wh- why I am the way I am. Carry that even further. You know, the doctor says, you have something wrong with your thyroid, but we're not going to do anything because we don't want to trigger it. Right. We don't yeah, want to yeah. offend your thyroid. Right. We would like, we're just going to say it is free to identify as sick if it wants to. Right. You know? We don't yeah. want to offend the healthy thyroids. <laughs> I think one of the things that I would offer is a, like a, a, a worthy thought inventory to work through is identifying which commands of God feel Mm. or are burdensome to you. Mm. Yes. You know, because that's what first John he says is that his commandments are not burdensome. Right. You know, my first thought is this is the worst Sabbath. Yeah. How broken am I? Cause I got Mm. stuff to do and I want to get going and, you know, and I mean, the one that actually says rest in it. Yeah, it's kind of the one that all the rest of them hinge on. Yeah, 100%. No offense. It goes and back to the control thing, right? I got to be in control. And, and and you, who said it recently? Like, you said it. That is, rest is about le- releasing control. Yeah, it's trust. Yeah. So, yeah, if Sabbath feels burdensome, there's something to that. Mm. Like, you know it, because you give me these books to read sometimes, you know, and I'm like, this is dumb. I mean, I'm like, I get what he's saying, but I didn't like it like you liked it, you know? Oh, yeah. But, I mean, hey, man, true confessions here. Mm. It'd be, it's worth identifying that and then running the trail. Mm. Why do you think that? You don't, you're not just making that up. There's a reason. Correct. Mm. So what, I have, what I've tried to do in order to, it's crazy, though. So if you attach a thing to it, that feels like rest. It's this is like training wheels for obedience. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so I love my Bible a whole lot, and I love to be in the woods a whole lot, and I love to hunt. Okay, now you start putting all these things, and they are refreshing in time with the Lord, and I think they very much tie into Sabbath, and so I can do that, mm-hmm. and and I can like schedule that on a rhythm in such a way that I think I'm living in rhythm with the Sabbath principles. Mm-hmm. 
And so sometimes it's okay to have some training wheels to get there, mm-hmm. you know? For sure. All right, I want to ask you, Pastor Joby, what's the difference between the process of discipleship, which is following after Jesus, becoming more like him, and what we've been talking about in this series, moving towards a healthier you, a healthier emo- like How are those things different? How are they the same? Uh, the difference is a couple of the best definitions I know for discipleship. Discipleship is simply this. What is my next step of obedience? Mm-hmm. That's it. It's about mm-hmm. obedience. Um, health has health is more like Shema. Like I can't love God with all of me mm-hmm. if all of me is not rightly put together so that I could love him with all my heart, mm-hmm. soul, mind, and strength. Yeah. So the the emotional just the personal health and again man not like therapeutic health health but but shema kind of health because our response to the one true god is we would love him with all mm-hmm. that is like the foundation so that we can rightly take the next steps of obedience mm-hmm. in the direction that the good shepherd's calling mm-hmm. us yeah so they're kind of like parallel tracks but but if you don't get the health thing right, I don't know that you could ever really take the right kind of steps of mm-hmm. obedience. You, Yeah, you will. Ultimately, the outcome of discipleship is loving obedience. Right. That that's the desires that loving obedience rooted in trust would be the thing that we... Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. You can obey the commands of God and you can almost habitually and willfully force yourself into a situation of trust depending on the degree of health like if you if you for a minute for years you can just like white knuckle and like i know god said it and i'm going to mm-hmm. do it <laughs> where this changes the game getting healthy in these ways thinking mm-hmm. patterns believing patterns is that you're actually able to enjoy obeying god mm-hmm. And you're able to enjoy God mm-hmm. through obeying Him. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to obey God; it's another thing to enjoy obeying God as your highest good. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying to yeah. you? And so, as long as your thinking is rooted in carnality, and your thought patterns are unhealthy, rooted in this world, rooted in uh, this flesh, rooted in whatever, then the thing that will not grow from that is is gospel. Fruit, which the first, oh. the first three fruit when it's, it's all one fruit, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace. Mm-hmm. The, the, when he says, "This is what God's growing in your life," mm-hmm. this is the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. Just the first tip of the spear, love, joy, peace. Mm. So that as we're obeying God, love, joy, and peace are growing. And it's not like stair steps. This is really important. It's not like you're climbing a ladder of achievement. Mm -hmm. It's way more like there's a fire burning Mm -hmm. that the gospel, the Holy Spirit of God lit at the believing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what what we're doing is, is saying, Holy Spirit, I want you to throw gas on the fire by getting rid of wet wood, by getting rid of things that would be in the way of that fire that fire burning hotter and hotter and hotter. This endeavor is like growing your capacity, the territory, if you will, for your ability to practice loving God 
by being loved by him. And so it's worth that that's the the Shema that mm-hmm. love God with all. Mm-hmm. Not just with habitual dutiful obedience, but with all. Love God with your want to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not just going to wake up and all of a sudden want to. Mm-hmm. Because of all these things that work in your in your life. Mm-hmm. And so Especially if you're not healthy. I mean, uh, if you've totally. got a bum knee, so so the word you know discipline comes from the root word discipleship, and so if you had a if you had a major knee problem and you were not healthy, but you were trying to be disciplined and you went to the gym and tried to squat, it would go bad. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of people that aren't healthy and they're trying to like walk out the steps of discipleship. I mean, if you got some serious interpersonal stuff, or you're a narcissist, or you're codependent, and then you're on your fourth disciple group, and you're like, how come this never goes good for me? Well, there's some like pre-work that you probably need to do mm-hmm. so that you can enjoy fellowship, like biblical koinonia fellowship as a discipline that grows your heart towards the Lord. Mm-hmm. I mean, what you're talking about is Matthew chapter three, right? Um, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you tithe. And dude, they tithe down to the spice rack. Mm. And he's like, but... You miss the weightier matters of things like justice and mercy and faithfulness. They miss faithfulness. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's the kind of thing. So dutiful, white-knuckle obedience, apart from trusting God, is not pleasing to God. Mm. So you got to trust Him. You can't trust Him if you don't know who you are and who He is first. This all precedes tithing. Mm. And then He goes, and you should tithe, but... If you if you forgot the weightier things, then you're gonna miss the whole point. Yeah. yeah, I love how you said that. That one fuels the other. You know, the goal is to be like Christ, uh, but you're you're being hindered if you're if you're held back by some kind of unhealth. All right, we're gonna we're gonna try to start landing the plane here. But I have one thing I'd love to hear from you on Pastor Joby before we are done. How do you think the church, not necessarily our church, but the church? How do you think the church has failed when it comes to helping people? with mental and emotional health, and what do you think needs to happen in the church to do it better? Uh, first and foremost, the church historically has just avoided this topic wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> I think, I don't know, 500 years ago, it was only in the category of like holy and unholy spirits, you know, right. maybe that. And then the pendulum swung all the way to just clean up the outside and let's not talk about what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. It was it was a whole bunch of um let let's just really talk about behaviors that we're doing and not doing versus the root of them. Um and so I think that's a real problem. A big reason that we're doing this is because we read a vision we read an offsite thing at the retreat center doing a retreat with a bunch of people laying out the vision of where we're going in the 1010 life. This was mm-hmm. 2 years ago. Mm. And there was a sweet sweet grandmother and grandfather there and this lady afterwards i know him relatively well and she came up to me privately after i laid out womb to tomb mm-hmm. and she said are we doing to do anything about suicide and mental health and so i thought i it hasn't even occurred to me you mm-hmm. know but i also said this is why we do retreats like this because you're absolutely right and because that you know we thank god have not had experience with that so much. It wasn't like at the top of my mind. Mm -hmm. And I think that happens a lot in churches. Mm -hmm. Also, it's hard, man. It's hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, In almost everything we preach, there's a clear Mm -hmm. action step. Mm -hmm. You know, need community, join a disciple group. 
right? You want to share your faith? Here, here, I can give you some steps. Here's some things to say to your neighbors, mm-hmm. right? You want to be generous? Cool, write a check. Mm-hmm. All right. This one, it, there's not like clear and easy yeah. steps and solutions when it comes to having God-honoring, healthy mental and mm-hmm. emotional life. Is there fear in there too? Like, you think, you think some churches or, or pastors maybe are afraid well, I mean, we're here all the time, so I don't. I hear a lot from our folks that they've never been in a church that is willing to admit that it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of churches where it is not okay to admit mm-hmm. that you're not okay, yeah. and I mean, it takes a real humility, right, to say, "I'm not. I need some help mm-hmm. emotionally yeah. and mentally." Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm one to be really hesitant to. Probably I should be more hesitant to throw churches under the bus for this, that, or the other, you know. But I think we all are, are, are that way in, in the spirit of humility. But I think the you can't take people where you're not willing to go. Mm, that's good. And so a lot of spiritual leaders are not aware, have never been challenged, have never come to... Uh, by the time they realize they're at a crisis of mental and emotional health, they've already made a dis- mistakes that disqualify them mm-hmm. um, from from that spiritual leadership that they once had. And so I think there, there's a lack of just, there was, it has been on, over the last decade, the volume around this has been far more significant than the previous seven decades right. combined, no <laughs> question. Mm-hmm. Listen, man, when I was a teenager, there was no, there was no, counselors or psychiatrists that was also associated with Christian. Mm. There was like psychiatrists, but that's where the real crazy people went 30 years ago. Does that right. make sense yeah, now? Yeah. Uh, we've It has been normalized more. Mm. And that said that, that where one of the dangers is when you disconnect, when you turn discipleship into something you do uh, and try to move it away from someone that you are, mm. And that's a real danger because it's easier just to prescribe things to do. Right. And the Bible does plenty of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of those things are the result of who you now are. And it's easy to get activity in front of identity. And so much of mental and emotional health are rooted in identity, uh, identity revelation, um, mm-hmm. gospel identity revelation. So I think that's a part of it. I think the other part is that uh, you've got to be willing to step in it and and make some mistakes and and you've got to be willing to like talk about things that you don't have all the answers for and you've got to be willing to say some things when the spirit of trying to be helpful um, that you may not even understand the full weight of all that you're saying you know what I mean um, and it's just my our intent is to shepherd people in the direction of God's love and Jesus's purposes for their life mm. not to say that everybody's experience is identical, mm-hmm. though the gospel is identical right. to everybody's experience. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yes. so yes, I think there's a lot of reasons why. I think it's just yeah. a, uh, I would, I pray, been praying for this since that lady stood up at the retreat that we were leading, mm-hmm. been just started praying that God would raise up an army of healthy people that are pursuing health mm-hmm. to be 
Christian, not just Christian, but gospel-centered, Bible-based yeah. mental health workers. You've got to have a in, biblical worldview. And yeah. every person has got a fish on their card. It's not, they don't have a biblical mm-hmm. worldview. Because I look at the panel yeah. that we talk with, I look at them primarily as disciple-makers. For sure. Working in the mental health and emotional health field. They're making disciples. That's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not just prescribing better life. They're teaching people how to apply the gospel to their life categorically. Um, and so I think that that's, that's a, a prayer mm-hmm. and, and that I don't think churches have prayed in that direction, thought about it, ever done anything to try to raise up or create resources for folks. Mm-hmm. So that said, we're not doing probably all the things that we could do, but we're just trying to do the next thing that God's called us to do. And that's, mm-hmm. this year yeah. is a huge part of that. Yeah, and part of our long play in this is we've got multiple multiple staff folks and that are all on the biblical counseling path right now because mm-hmm. uh, there are not enough counselors in Jacksonville and therapists in Jacksonville with a biblical worldview. And so we're going to mm-hmm. try to help change that. Yeah. And that's really encouraging. You know, it's it's like you don't have to have all the answers just po- to point people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's okay to say, I don't know. It's okay to say, well, I haven't figured that out yet, but I can pray for you. You know, I can point you to the scriptures for encouragement. So, well, we're out of time. And Pastor Joby, why don't you close us with any thoughts you might have, any prayers for our church or for the church, and then shut us, shut us down. Yeah, man, if you marry together like the Shema, uh, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm-hmm. If you look at the one verse about Jesus when he was, you know, 12, well, 13 to 33, mm-hmm. it was him living that out, mm-hmm. that he grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. Mm-hmm. Then if you look at John chapter 10, he like his dream for his sheep is abundant life. Mm-hmm. That means that means mentally and emotionally, God wants an abundant life for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. But none of that's going to come easy. I mean, it cost him his life at the cross, right? But he has purchased for us an abundant life in him. Mm-hmm. And so a big part of the discipleship is dealing with our mind and heart, emotional and mental health. And Mm -hmm. so we know that this series is not like the end-all, be-all. It's not like you listen to this for three weeks, take some notes, and this is like the beginning. This is the starting line. Hopefully, it'll expose a lot of people to a lot of really good tools and Mm -hmm. questions and things like that. And I hope, like James says, they won't be merely hearers of the Word and so deceive themselves, Mm -hmm. but they will do what the Spirit of God is leading them to do. Mm. Amen. Let's pray. Brett, since you preach, why don't you pray? Father, we love you. We thank you for uh, the fact that we do live, all of us, uh, in different expressions or ways, the the reality that a lot of times it doesn't make sense. Um, But the one thing that we can stake our lives on and we do stake our eternity on is that you love us and it makes sense to us that uh, that is the, the most important thing about us, and we believe and receive that in Jesus' name. And, uh, Father, we pray that anywhere that there's unhealth, that there's weeds growing in our life that would keep us from experiencing your love for us, God, that you would, by the power of the Holy Spirit, convict us, which is to say reveal those things to us so that we can get down at the seed of them, pull them out, and uh, that your love can continue to to just... Uh, overcome us day by day, minute by minute, hour by hour. Uh, most of all, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is the manifold wisdom of God. That he, that he, Jesus, you are 
the, the truest expression of love that we could ever experience. What greater love is this than a man would lay down his life for his friends? Thank you for allowing for us to be your friends, for purchasing our sin debt, and for setting us free at the cross and bringing us to life through the resurrection. We want to walk in your life. We want to live in your resurrection and uh, be filled with your power. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. (laughs) The end. You nailed it. (laughs)